G'day listeners, welcome to the Braintainment Podcast. My name's Liam O'Donnell and this show will, we hope, truly educate and entertain you with a mission to do a couple of things. Firstly, to blend the world of personal development with pop culture and making the conversation around self-improvement, philosophy, things of that nature far more sexy and more impactful for the masses. One way we do that is through these conversations, either with just myself or with some incredible people that will feature on the show from a wide variety of worlds such as neuroscience, health and fitness, philosophy, business, sports, leadership, and even the entertainment space, which will be very exciting. The second part of our mission is to raise $1 million towards brain injury recovery and brain research, which is very dear to my heart. You can hear more about that on our social channels. In recent years, I've become obsessed with the idea of learning. And not only has this had real world benefits like skill acquisition, and a far more powerful approach to life, but I've bloody loved the process. And my hope with this show is to do the same for you, to add real value, but to help you fall in love with learning again and have a lot of fun along the way. So for now, subscribe and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brain Taming Podcast. This is Liam, and today's a really cool one. We're going to look at the world of neuroscience and dive into some thoughts around the brain. Obviously, hence the name of this podcast and the channel and what I'm trying to do. I find the brain science uh, very fascinating, and we're going to explore why that is. So there's a few concepts I want to explore today. I want to talk about why it's important to learn about the brain. I want all my listeners to fall in fucking love with their own brains and join the conversation around what to do to improve it and why it actually matters. So like I said, we'll explore why it's important. We'll touch on why I first started diving into this world. And then there's just a few concepts I want to explore as well. One's around the the idea of neuroplasticity, what it means. Another's around the idea of the growth mindset and how that relates to um, the conversation we're having today. And then to talk a little bit about self-esteem and the brain-body connection. So just to bring it all back, uh, let's look at why you should actually give a fuck (laughs) about your brain and listening to these kinds of conversations about how to optimize, right? So just a few thoughts around why it's important to to learn more and take it more seriously, right? Firstly, clarity equals power. So understanding what's actually happening in our brains gives us a sense of power. It then makes it a lot easier to tailor a plan to feel better, right? So once you know what's actually going on in your brain, it's a lot easier to tailor a plan of attack, right? And put a strategy in place. So um, that ambiguity of not knowing why you feel flat, why you have no energy, why you're fatigued, why you're stressed, why you're anxious, things of that nature can be problematic if you just can't pinpoint what's actually going on. In the same way, if you experience high levels of joy right, or optimism and you think it's just potluck and we don't know what actually was the catalyst for that, can be hard to replicate it. So having that clarity around what's actually going on neurochemically and hormonally just gives you a sense of power. So there's a couple of things there. It helps us achieve our goals, right? So again, just with that tailored plan, you can optimize your brain function and what you know about it to achieve your goals. Uh, Helps us show up as the person we want to show up as. So I don't know about you, but I always have this image of the kind of person I want to be in, uh, in different relationships, right? Whether it's a spouse, my friends, my family, my clients, um, business partners, and just in general, the way I want to come across and the person I want to be, I have a pretty strong sense of. However, I don't always show up that way. So I'm sure a few of you listening might be able to relate to that. So optimizing our brain function, again, just having that understanding of, of what's actually taking place neurochemically helps us do that, helps us show up as the person we want to fucking show up as. It improves our relationships and uh, improves our self-confidence, which I'll touch on a bit more and expand a little 
um, in this chat later on. Uh, reduces anxiety and other mental health challenges, which I've spoken a lot about on social channels. Gives us more energy, uh, increases motivation. It leverages human behavior. Well, it helps us leverage human behavior. So whether that's in relationships, in business, in sales, not to be manipulative, but if you understand how to not only manage yourself, but then manage other people, that can prove very beneficial at times. And then finally, just a little fun one, it makes for interesting conversations at dinner parties, right? So look, I'm a bit of a lad, grew up in a footy culture, and I still love all that stuff. Love having a beer, love having a good time, and a bit of a party boy in my day. But hey, as I got older, I'm far more interested in having more intellectual conversations, right? And I hope that doesn't make me sound like a snob, um, but I don't like the same old, same old at dinner parties or I'm out at the pub or whatever it is. I want to be able to talk about cool stuff. And I think having an understanding around the brain makes for, inf- uh, makes for interesting conversation. So that's my thoughts on that. So just a little about why I first got into this world. It wasn't actually any of those reasons above. It was primarily around recovery. And I'll touch on that in a sec as well. But if you know my story, you'll know I had a, a pretty nasty brain injury about five years ago now. And it's been a fucking nightmare trying to recover. However, the silver lining is this. And I, honest to God, would not change it for a second because the silver lining has meant it's led me down this path of studying the brain and becoming really passionate about educating others to take it more seriously, hopefully in a way that's um, you know entertaining and, and digestible. So I had a really nasty brain injury, had a concussion, which then developed into a diagnosis called post-concussion syndrome. Seen, I don't know, however many people and different specialists, um, spent however many dollars, it's a fucking lot. But that was uh, just a really quick snapshot of, of why I first started exploring brain health was so I could just feel fucking normal and kind of get my life back on track a little bit. And that's been a real journey for some time now. So that's just a little context. If you don't know me, if you're a first time listener, um, why I take this stuff so seriously and why brain tainment came about. One, I love talking about um, the nervous system and the brain and the other part of that that brand name, I suppose, is the entertainment side of things. I like having a good time. I want to have a laugh with you guys where possible and make this kind of content, which can be dense at times. I want it to be less um, less nerdy and more exciting. So with that all said, let's explore a few terms and concepts that will really just lay the groundwork or a foundation for almost everything else we talk about on this channel um, and perhaps also to help you paint a picture of why you should, like I said, give a fuck about brain health and uh, take your learning process around your most vital organ for health, happiness, and life uh, more seriously. So firstly, this concept of neuroplasticity, what is it? Well, let's break it down. Neuro, firstly, equals nervous system, which consists of the brain, the spinal cord, and all the nerves that send and receive information to and from the brain. Second part of that is plasticity, uh, which comes from the Greek word plastos, if I'm not mistaken, which means moldable. So together, neuroplasticity really means a moldable brain. And how fucking cool is that, right? If we don't like what we've currently got, our thought patterns, our skills, our intellect, for the most part, this could all change. Now, I know there are extenuating circumstances, but for the most part, it is malleable, okay? So I'm going to ignore the fact that it's even a possibility that there are some disruptions to that. For the most part, it can all be changed. And I'm telling you, once you buy into this concept, it naturally elicits a sense of empowerment, Right, and only further encourages to want to learn more and more about how to optimize um, what's going on. So, how to optimize our brain, our body, our skills are all for essentially the same purpose, which is to feel good. And I hope that message comes across every time that I share or um, have conversations with, with the guests that come on this show. Right, the North Star is to feel good. Uh, now, we all have different strategies and approaches to get there. 
Sometimes that can lead into, you know, conversation around ethics and what you should and shouldn't do. But ultimately the goal is to feel good, right? And if you've got clarity around how to do that, it can only help. So neuroplasticity, it describes how the brain can change throughout life to adapt, to learn and even repair, which like I touched on is why I was so heavily drawn into this world in the first place. Now, every time we learn something, anything, we're harnessing the power of neuroplasticity. Something cool I want to talk about. Do you guys remember Pavlov's dog? You might have heard about it in high school class. Uh, but look, if you're any, anything like me, you probably tuned out in year eight physics or science class. I was staring at the cutest girl. You know, you might have been doodling on your page. I don't know. Maybe we're paying attention, but I digress. Pavlov's dog, uh, if you're not aware, is the story around a Russian scientist. Pavlov back in 1904, I think it might have been, if my memory serves me. Uh, and that was a great example of neuroplasticity, which was essentially changing the dog's brain, right? So again, if I'm not mistaken, the story of Pavlov's dog was he was training the dog to salivate at the ring of a bell. Now, feel free to hit me up and correct me if this story is inaccurate, but this is my understanding and reflection of it. So he would bring the dog uh, some food and ring the bell every time he did. And the dog would, of course, salivate at the prospect of some really delicious food. And then over time, he trained that response to the point where the dog associated the bell with the food, which then elicited that salivation response. And then again, over time, it got to the point where Pavlov could not bring any food. So there was no scent, there was no food around, but could ring the bell and the dog would still salivate. So he essentially conditioned the dog's brain um, and changed it such that it would salivate um, purely at the, the sound of the bell ringing. So that was an example of neuroplasticity. Now, if you've learned something ever, <laughs> like I've touched on, that's neuroplasticity at work. So for example, if you remember, let's say learning the times tables, right? So eight by eight is 64, seven by seven is 49. There's a good chance you learned that from repetition from your teacher in primary school. Um, or if you're anything like me, perhaps up on the back of your toilet door, um, it was pinned up as well. So you can see that every time you went to the loo. So just that repetition, again, conditions the brain. It changes it such that you can recall that information. So then what do you and I and Pavlov's dog have in common? Well, we we're both exposed to a stimulus accurately with enough repetition or intensity to change or rewire our brain function. I think I've hammered that, po uh, that point home strong enough. Um, so the concept of whether or not neuroplasticity is real, is just it's not debatable. We know it is, at least to varying degrees. So the question then becomes, how do you want to go about molding your brain and why is it important to do so? And really just what does it all look like? How do, where do we start? Well, that's essentially what we're going to explore over the coming months and years with this show. I'm still in that process and my goal is to, I guess, take you with me on that journey and I hope you get some value as I continue to expand on some ideas and, and get some clarity of thought and then also bring people on the show to pick their brains too. But we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a little bit more um, in this conversation today, which again, I, I hope it provides a little bit of value at the very least. Now, as long as you're alive, your brain's always making new connections on a daily basis, and you can always improve its performance and health, as we touched on at the start. So it's probably a worthwhile investment of time to study how best to go about it. Now, the cool thing is it doesn't only apply to cognitive skills or physical skills like you know learning the times tables or physical skills like uh, fucking knitting or learning how to play cricket or swing a golf club, um, but also emotional skills, right? So if we're currently crippled by really poor thought patterns or have uh, like an eerie sense that things are going wrong or maybe it was just a real, maybe we struggle with a sense of worth, which I know a lot of people do, right? It's a whole 
a whole host of um, emotional turmoils that we could um, riff on for a while. Um, but the point remains, at least to some extent, I'm sure we can all relate that there is some sort of emotional turmoil at times. The idea of neuroplasticity suggests that we can also train our brain to not necessarily avoid those forever, but certainly have a massive fucking impact um, for the better and condition our brain to start to reduce levels of anxiety and cortisol production and things of that nature all over time. Now, for that to happen, almost always, there's a sense of seeing it through, right? You need some sort of longevity to actually allow enough time and intensity for things to change, which leads me into the next concept I want to talk about, which is the growth mindset. It's essentially what we need to adopt and have as part of our philosophy if we're actually going to go the distance and see it through and rewire and condition the things that we want to have in in our brains, right? So firstly, before I dive into it, um, shout out where it's due. Carol Dweck is the author of an amazing book called Mindset, where she essentially coins this phrase, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the first time, the idea of a growth mindset and unpacks it beautifully, far more concisely and far more eloquently than my little summary here, but I'll do my best to um, to give you a snapshot of what it's all about. So the growth mindset and adopting a growth mindset really means that we're adopting a belief that our skills and our beliefs in and of themselves are malleable, right? Even past we've reached adulthood. So having a growth mindset means we believe we can improve our skills, our thought patterns, and essentially everything about us. A fixed mindset vis-a-vis would then in turn suggest that our beliefs, or we believe that our, our beliefs and our skills for the most part are fixed or set and can't be changed past adulthood, right? So pretty clear distinction between the two. If you haven't already picked up on it by now, a large um, sort of vibe of this show um, is pushing that message that um, we should really adopt a growth mindset where possible, right? That our beliefs and skills are malleable and the science is now coming out which is amazing it actually shows that to be the case so it's not just a airy fairy esoterical you know rah-rah concept it's it's just fucking science growth mindset goes a long way the idea that we're not there yet is super powerful it's an affirmation that i repeat to myself every day now if you know me personally if you've heard anything you know the little bit of content that i've put out i'm not massive on your kind of stereotype affirmations. so staring in a mirror chanting that, um, you know, for, take myself for an example, that I'm rich and rich and wealthy and I'm, I'm this, that and the other around finances when, you know, um, I might have $47 in the bank account and crippled in, in debt. So that's not a good, not a good example of, a, of where affirmations are effective in my opinion, nor is it an effective approach to stare in the mirror if you're overweight and say you're fit and healthy and sexy. It's, it, it does more harm than good, again, in my opinion, and just from the science that I've come across. However, what is valuable is repeating, whether it's in the mirror or out loud or even just to yourself. It doesn't really matter too much as long as you hardwire into your nervous system the belief that if you're not good at something, you're not good at it yet and you can improve, right? For, so for that person who potentially is overweight or not healthy, if you want to stare in the mirror, great. If not, don't worry about it. But repeating to yourself that you're not fit yet, that is a powerful affirmation. And also repeating to yourself that you're the kind of person that will do the work right? It's essentially, whether it's your fitness um, or anything in the health space or your finances or whatever, any area of life, doesn't really matter where you are now. All that matters is who you want to become and the price you're willing to pay to get there. So that's the idea of a growth mindset, right? Really believing that you can adopt, or sorry, adapt and, and grow and improve. Now, for this to happen, 
on a fundamental or neurochemical level, we need we need an attachment of the reward system part of the brain to the actual pursuit of a goal, not just achieving the goal, right? And I kind of t- alluded to it earlier, but for real change to take place, more often than not, it, it happens over a pretty decent time frame. So we need to have the longevity. And for that to happen, you really have to enjoy the fucking process. You know, the quote of... Uh, 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 it's about the journey, not the destination or whatever it is. Um, there's a few different ways to say it. In and of itself, it, it's really powerful and it's, it gets lost because it's a bit of a cliche, but it's super, super true. But just kind of hearing it isn't enough. We need to actually do something to enjoy that journey and fall in love with the process. So that's what I want to touch on a little bit now and explore the world of dopamine, which is an amazing molecule. Now, I will never – well, I shouldn't say that. At this moment in time, I won't do it justice to um, – you know, kind of paint the picture well enough. So I encourage you to do your own research and I might even just, um, whether it's in this episode or future ones, just leave a few resources of people and books to connect with to enhance and f- and further advance your learning. Anyway, we have two reward systems in the brain and they generally fall into two categories. There's reward systems that make you, f- there's a reward system that makes you feel really good within the confines of your skin and the things you already have so, for example, the love of your dog or your spouse or gratitude for things essentially you already have. And it's more of a calming effect. And these generally are governed by the release of molecules such as serotonin and oxytocin, right? Then there's the dopamine reward system. And dopamine is secreted en route to rewards more so than it is on the achievement of rewards. At least that was the latest science that I read anyway, which is super interesting, right? So the ability to tap into the reward system and amplify that neurochemical release of dopamine en route to a reward is a fucking game changer. So essentially what I'm saying is this in layman terms, it's not enough to just want something, particularly if it requires effort and work and change and resources and things of that nature. It's not enough just to want it. You really, really do need to fall in love with the process. Okay, Um, and we need those dopamine secretion moments throughout that process for us to actually go the distance. And I really wish there was I could do a better job of articulating this, but I hope at least some of the message is coming across clearly enough. The ability to tap into that reward system en route is is huge, right? So the growth mindset in its purest form, really, is the attachment of these reward systems to the effort process, not just the outcome or reward itself. So what can happens at time? What can happen at times when you complete the process of whatever it is that you're pursuing or working on? Often the outcome can be underwhelming, and I don't know if you can relate to that. You know, you set an objective or a goal, and you work your fucking face off, and you get there, and it's just kind of meh. Ultimately, that creates more of a disappointment or pro-depressive circuit, which is perhaps why over time it's easy to become complacent and less driven about certain goals. Because if we're not secreting dopamine throughout the process, you know, it's just a fucking grind and we're just desperate and hopeful that we're going to have that dopamine secretion at the accomplishment of that goal. If we don't get that, um, or if we're not enjoying the process and, and, and then we don't get that, at least to the extent that we would like to at the achievement of these goals and, we, and we're left feeling underwhelmed, it's kind of like, what's the point, right? <laughs> and then that inevitably leads to that com- sense of complacency, which is why so many people fall short on their goals and just kind of live a uh, meh sort of existence because they haven't got the equation right. They haven't got the process down pat and they don't understand the science of how to actually leverage how our brains are wired. So if we can train our nervous system to secrete dopamine throughout the process of becoming better and moving towards our goals, for example, that 
uh, that late night or that early morning, putting in the work, that practice that you don't want to put in or that um, work you don't want to do or that phone call you don't want to make, whether it's in business or a relationship, whatever it is, that subjective insertion we want to make when we start secreting dopamine to those kinds of things, there's essentially no limit on the number of things you can do or the energy to do them. And often that's the problem, right? We run out of energy, we fatigue. Now, when we're in effort, right, when we're doing shit and we're in effort, we are also secreting adrenaline and that's draining, it's tiring. Now, what's cool is dopamine actually has this beautiful capacity to buffer adrenaline and help reduce uh, reduce the fatigue effect of effort. So then the, the question inevitably becomes, well, how do we how do we start and catalyze that process, right? Now, at least the, not that I'm aware of, there's no silver bullet to do that. And everyone's situation is a little bit different. But it all starts with constructing an unshakable belief that you can get better and that what you're doing right now is worth it and moving you towards that higher vision, right? So that scientific breakdown, again, I wish I could articulate it better than I am, but that breakdown is literally how you turn your life around. I'm speaking from experience. Hey, I don't have all the accolades or the plaques on the wall or the cash in the bank and all the tangible stuff. So I'm not for a second suggesting I fucking got it made and got it all sorted. But in a short period of time from a neurochemical point of view, um, I feel significantly better now than I did even a few months ago. And it's in large part to just getting my head around this stuff and kind of really fundamentally um, conditioning these ideas as part of my personal philosophy. And without cramming it down your throat, I hope you, well, I kindly encourage you to do the same, to fall in love with the process of learning and get better. So understanding that develop, something else I want to touch on now, I think think is really cool. Understanding that developing a sense of true empowerment is not an archaeological dig, but rather an architectural build. Now, shout out to my homie, Tom Bilyeu. I've referenced him a few times. He's a fucking superstar. Got a bit carried away there, but he's he's a bloody legend. And I really encourage you to dive into his world on social. He's got some great content. And I've essentially pinched that quote directly from him. It's not an archaeological dig, but rather an architectural build to create that sense of empowerment, right? So it's not... Um, something you're going to find innate in yourself that's been lying dormant all these years. You're not going to find that self-worth and and confidence under your pillow or behind the couch or in between the cushions in your fucking car. Like it's an architectural build, right? It's constructed, which kind of leads me into this concept of building our self-esteem, which is sort of the third thing I want to talk about really quickly as well because this is a whole other rabbit hole in and of itself. But just a few things or three three ideas that I consider when I'm trying to build my self-esteem, which is then going to help everything else that I'm trying to accomplish, right, and feel good and, and, and things of that nature. So the first thing is becoming a learner and building my self-esteem around that, becoming a learner, right? So falling in love with brain chemistry and how it all works, falling in love with the idea that I can get better and putting in the work. I'm not too fussed with the outcome. Now, of course, I want to achieve and do things and, and have all the luxuries that, you know, accomplishment affords. Um, whether it's through you know more time or money, more relationships, more resources. But I can't always control that. But I can control the work I put in and my uh, approach to learning. So I get a real sense of self-worth the harder I work at actually learning. So that's the first thing in terms of optimizing my self-esteem. And I, I hope you find this valuable and not too self-indulgent. If it's too self-indulgent, 
I mean, fuck, it is what it is. This is how I talk. Um, but if you are getting value, fucking awesome. So the first thing to cultivating self-esteem, I think, is becoming a learner and building your self-esteem around that and almost nothing else. The second thing is keeping the promises we make to ourselves, right? So if I'm going to get up at 9 a.m. and work on a, you know, a shitty project that is not overly rewarding in and of itself, but it's going to move me in the direction of my goal, how can I sort of dwell on that or how can I approach it in a way that I connect to the greater vision so that I'm getting a dopamine secretion by actually completing that task, right? So, and the fact that I showed up and did it and, keep, and kept the promise to myself is that real sense of credibility um, that is huge that ultimately leads to a far more um, stronger self-esteem, right? Sense of worth. So keeping the promises we make to ourselves. And the third thing is kind of in line with that, which is doing hard things in service of our goals. So it's no secret that I take cold showers every morning, not only for the health benefits um, and sort of feeling a bit more sharp and alert um, after a sleep, particularly if I haven't slept well, but it's, uh, you know, particularly in the middle of July in Australia, it's fucking cold. And so (laughs) it's hard not to do. So just little things, doing hard things kind of give me early wins, particularly early in the day, doing hard things, uh, again, just helps enhance that credibility I have with myself. So they're, little, they're three tools I consider when approaching my self-esteem. And then that makes me feel more confident about my learning process and kind of further enhance, uh, reinforces the idea that I can get better, right? So sort of digressed a little bit there. And then the final thing I just want to talk about really quickly, just from a science point of view, is the brain-body connection, right? So I touched on serotonin before earlier. You know, it is, um, it's one of the feel-good hormones. 90% of it is actually produced in the gut. And that is just so fucking fascinating. What you put into your body is what you get out of your body and your mind, right? So between the brain and the gut, there is actually like a super highway. It's the vagus nerve. That's the one. So the vagus nerve runs directly between the brain and the gut. And it's actually the longest cranial nerve in the human body, right? So it's a little wonder then that the food we eat or the, you know, the, the drinks we consume have a dramatic impact on how we feel because it does go directly to our brain. You know, it communicates directly with our brain. So I want to do a whole session around food. I'm still, I'm still learning the best approach. And there are, look, the one thing I've learned about food is that there's, aside from a, a very few things, there's not a whole lot of universal laws, but there are a few, which we'll touch on in later episodes, but a lot of it is a bit more trial and error. So I think I'll bring some guests on here that are far more qualified and we'll have those conversations around food. But I just want you for now at the very least to just start thinking about it and diving into your own research, perhaps, uh, particularly if you do want to feel better mentally, emotionally, um, psychologically right like in large part it is contributed by what's going on into your body right the food you eat and what's happening in your gut so get that sorted now i'm going to leave it there for this episode bit of a rant bit of a brain dump more than anything it was help it was for me to help clarify my own thinking but i do hope you got some value if you did hit me up and let me know if something landed and until the next episode guys uh, stay well and continue your learning